Welcome back, everybody, to the Race to the Kingdom podcast and vidcast. Robert and Keith back with you again. And this time we're going to be doing a multi-episode fueling station uh, on life and death. And we're going to be myth-busting. We're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff with this. So on our content map, on our table of contents, we've moved on to the life and death wellhead. Keith, give the folks a say hi and give the folks a brief summary on, on what we're going to be doing over the next couple of three episodes. Uh, yeah. Um, hey, guys, welcome back. Um, welcome back to huddle time is what I used to say to my athletes. It's time to huddle. And we always look forward to our huddle times. But in this episode, we're going to go from the race theology that we went over last time. And we're going to um, the next well or fueling station, which is life and death. And we're going to talk about how this really is a story about life and death. And then we're going to get into a pretty important myth bust. And that myth bust is going to go over the popular passage of John 3.16. We're going to look at how that really needs to be interpreted in light of the race to the kingdom. Awesome. It's going to be compelling. It's going to be exciting. You're not, you're, you're driving down the road. You're going to want to stop on the side of the road a couple of three times and, and look at what we're doing. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm having a little fun, but so we're going to actually do it in a, this is a kind of a, a way we've developed. Um, I hope it works for you guys. I'd love to hear the comments about it, but this is a, uh, this is a Bible study episode. So we're going to switch over. We're going to switch over now to um, my desktop, which I've got Bible.com, uh, and I've got um, the, the concordance uh, mm. all up, and we're going to move back and forth between BibleHub.com and Bible.com and yep. actually go through the passages And uh, as we go. And we're going to dig into life and death. So, And we're going to start in, in Romans 6. And Keith, this is this is this is where you shine, my friend. Um, let's go for it, my friend. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you, Robert. And so uh, I really thank you guys for tuning in and uh, just trusting us on this journey a little bit. And like we always say, be a good Berean and look up the scriptures yourself and make sure you confirm a matter with two or three witnesses. So, anyways, we. Um, we actually want to remind um, our listeners that this story started back in Genesis. And we went over that in the last episode. And the, the story in Genesis was not a story about heaven and hell. Um, it was a story about life and death. And that's where we want to segue this into in this fueling station is that understanding that, you know what? The tree of life was offered to us in the beginning. And a warning of death was offered. And so when God made it very plain, hey, listen, I want you to eat from this tree of life and everything that um, comes with it. And But there's a warning that if you don't um, obey what I'm asking you to do and you eat from the tree that I'm asking you not to, um, you will surely die. And we talked about how that death was separation, separation mm -hmm. from 
the garden, right? Separation mm-hmm. from his blessing, from his from the rulership that he wanted to give us, and from intimacy with him. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to carry that same theme all the way into Christ, and we're going to carry it into the book of Romans, Roman road, the Roman road of salvation. Paul is explaining the road of salvation very, very clearly through a lot of big courtroom style terms, which we're going to get to in another fueling station. But we want to use this as an opportunity to show you the same theme, okay, that was found in Genesis. So Christ is the tree of life. I need you to understand the, the, the symbolism here. Christ is life. He's offering us life. He is the tree of life. If we will but eat him, <laughs> which is what he offered, right? He offered himself as food. Mm-hmm. And so as we look at the offer, the offer is life, okay? The mm-hmm. offer is life, and the off- offer is him. He is the author of life, and he has come to give us this life and to restore our relationship back to the fullness of this life. And this life is right relationship with his Father, and it is right relationship with the Spirit who brings order. You know, he's hovering over the waters. He's going to bring order to the earth. The The Spirit of God reminds us of the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's what one of the promises was, that the Helper would remind us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, beautiful understanding of what it means to experience that life. So in the book of Romans, we're going to look at this offer again. And mm-hmm. so we're going to go to chapter 6. Um, Paul is is speaking here, and we're going to read from verse 20. It says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? So remember, Adam and Eve were ashamed when mm-hmm. they fell into sin. Right. For the end of these things is death. Okay. Not hell, but death. Mm-hmm. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification. And its end is, guess what? Eternal life. And we're going to break that down, that word eternal life here in, mm-hmm. in a little bit. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in our Lord. So the ball game is still life and death. Okay. And what we noticed in the garden is it was death to the promises of God. Mm -hmm. And so when we unfold this, um, we're going to go to Romans eight and, and keep, keep on the Roman road. Okay. So there's one of the things here I want to, I want to point out because that, it's easy for me and, and to know now, but something that you have to keep pointing out to me for a long time is, um, and I just want to, you know, if it, if it, if I was a knucklehead or, or thick headed about getting it, I'm going to assume that at least one or two of our listeners is going to be, you know, kind of thick headed about getting it because it's been beaten to us in a different way. Um, so when it, when uh, 23 for the wages of sin is death. I think we're we're trained to think of the wages of sin of death is you know because we've absolutely heard that many times is that hey you know you know those people who 
or outside of Christ, those are the sinners of the world. Those are the people who are, you know, accept Christ or, 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 or rot in hell, you know, be sent to hell forever, right? But this is not meant this this passage this these these passages aren't meant for those who have not been exposed to and have accepted Christ. This is talking about anybody who professes to be a Christian and has received the Holy Spirit. Correct. And that's that's again key and key to the understanding that this is written to the church. Mm-hmm. It's written to the body of Christ. It is it is written to the people of God. And so everything we refer to is going to be uh, instruction about how to run the race faithfully in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, God after is always, You've already accepted after you've already, yeah. right? After you've been baptized or, you know, or whatever it is your tradition has, you know, in your tradition has become yeah. the way that you recognize that Christ dwells within me. You were, you were granted Pentecost and, and uh, and the Holy Spirit arrived in your heart, right? Well, let's put it this way. Non-believers aren't interested in Paul's epistles. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah. he is, he, yeah, he's writing to the called out ones. And it's mm-hmm. always that when he, when, he, when he opens up all of his letters, it's always to the saints, to the called out ones, to those who are faithful in Christ Jesus. It's to the same audience, okay? And and so we've got to understand that unless he specifically is in the context talking about outsiders, okay? Those who are outside the assembly of God, talking about those who are not reborn, okay? Then, then we have a context of how to interpret Mm-hmm. But we, we've already told you guys how important context is. Context yeah. is the pretext to the post-text. So we, we, we've got to understand the fullness of how we go from a verse to a passage to a book to the whole Bible and, and really glean putting things together accurately. So in Romans 8, as we uh, pick up again, with Paul's instruction to uh, the church. We're going to look at, uh, start in verse 12, and it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live, church, according to the flesh, I interjected church again, Mm -hmm. you will die. So here we go again. If you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Paul's saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live or have life. So again, the tree of life. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. As sons, and we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. So again, what is this about? This is about inheritance. So what is death about? Death to inheritance. What is life about? Enjoying the inheritance, which is exactly what 
they had in the garden. They had all the inheritance. Mm -hmm. Okay. They had everything that God wanted to give them and bless them with. Okay. And then when they died, they got cut off from those things. Mm -hmm. So, so again, they weren't thrown into a pit of hell for all eternity where they, they burned and they were in agony and it was just a constant, um, you know, hellish environment, which you'll see is never talked about. Okay. Throughout the whole old Testament, that wasn't any of the references. Okay. And then when you get into the new Testament, you're going to see some references that you're confused about. Okay. When it comes to fire and it comes to wrath and it comes to fury but we're going to clarify a lot of those things as it pertains to the entire story. And you're going to see how it clears a lot of things up. So to look at this again through the eyes of uh, the letter to the Romans is to see that Paul is truly talking about, um, you know, the inheritance mm -hmm. as we're racing as we're running, as we want to be led by the Spirit to be sons of God, to be heirs of God. And then he goes on to say, and joint heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him. So again, these conditional understandings of inheritance become very important in the race. And so um, when we're going to skip on over now to chapter 11. We're going to continue in Romans, and we're going to look at the actual word cut off again. Paul is setting the stage here in chapters 9, 10, and 11 that, you know what? All these promises to Israel that were made, you know, in particular to the Jews, they got these seven um, blessings, these seven, um, you know, uh, parts of their inheritance of being God's people. And he, and he talks about that in chapter nine and he lists them. And then he says, well, guess what you guys, as the church, you're grafted in to these same promises. It's called the olive tree. You're grafted in. And so when we go to chapter 11 and we look at verse 20, um, 22, it says, note then the kindness and severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off, okay, or perish. So we have another understanding of what it means to be cut off from the olive tree of these seven promises of inheritance. Okay, and, and this becomes the idea of eternal life. And we're going to hit that pretty hard, too, when we myth bust. So that is um, where we're headed in the context of life and death. And now we're going to go into a very crucial myth bust as it pertains to life and death. And we're going to hit John 3.16 hard. So just like I would do with my athletes, I would say it's chalk talk time. <laughs> this is this is the way we're going to chalk talks. We're always about looking at the opponent that we were about to play. 
So if we were about to go up against mm -hmm. another team, we would chalk talk and we would dissect this team, dissect their weaknesses and, and try to determine our goals in order to defeat them. Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to defeat some of the things the enemy has done in the teachings to the church. And we're going to relate them so that you have a better understanding in light of the context. And so we're going to go to um, the book of John. We're going to take a can opener to the myth of John 3.16. So if we're looking at our, uh, our table of contents, we're here at life and death. And there is an absolute, what we call a pitfall or a myth bust that surrounds John 3.16. Tell us, <laughs> why do we need to take a can opener to, uh, to John 3.16? Um, either a can opener or a, a whip made with cords like Jesus did when he cleansed the temple. I kept, and, I kept uh, wanting to say open a can of whoop ass, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know how that goes. And, and you. You know, when you're when you're uh, with an athletic team, sometimes you got to do that. Uh, sometimes it's 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 time to get down to brass tacks and uh, make people run some wind sprints and and get their attention. And so with this, it's um, been a long time in in understanding the verse 316 in a lot of different contexts and the and the biggest context of John 316 has been the evangelical world. And so that world has been, you know, the Tim Tebow's too of putting John 316 under his eyes while he goes to play mm -hmm. a national football game, which by the way, if you haven't Googled that, is an incredible story of what happened uh, in that game and yeah. how much attention was given to John 316, right? Yeah. And then all the tent revivals, you know, all the Billy Graham, um, you know, opportunities to go out there and speak to John 316 and win people. Um, into I, I, I remember seeing as a kid, you know, the in a football game, you know, the guy, there's always a guy in the end zone, right? where they know the camera yeah. will always be at the at a, at a field goal, right? Or, a, yeah. or an extra point holding the sign that literally just says John 316, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, I, I can't recall it if that's still happening, if that guy is, you know, if that person is still at the end, in the end zone. But um, I don't recall seeing that recently. But, um, but certainly when I was a kid, I saw that all the time. That's right. And in light of the, the race to the kingdom and the message that we're um, qualifying between life and death, which is our last episode, that this really is a story about life and death, about, you know, receiving the inheritance, the blessings, the promises of God. And that requires um, or includes intimacy, rule, land all the things that we have already talked about and how it's brought back in the New Testament to mm -hmm. explain that. And so John 3.16, although, you know, used in a what, what we believe to be um, a good motive, you know, let, let's get people believing in Christ. Let's get people to 
understand that he's offering salvation. But, you know, even though well-meaning, we believe that it was taken out of its context. And so to put it back in its context is so very important so that you're not confused when you read the Bible for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so John John 3.16 has always really been in the context of, hey, you know what? If you don't want to spend eternity burning in hell, okay, then um, John 3.16 says, you know, for God so loved the world that if you believe in him, you don't have to burn in hell for all eternity. You can actually go to heaven, okay? And we're going to show you that that really wasn't the um, the teaching that John was putting forth. And um, even though it can be used for good in order to get you to accept Christ, it really needs to be placed back in its context. So let's turn to the book of John, and we're going to um, start our myth busting. And we're going to look at the context. So in the context of the book of John, we have Nicodemus, one of the religious leaders coming to Jesus at night. And again, the beginning of John tells us that the light came to shine in the darkness. So this is what Jesus is about to do. He's about to shine the light in the darkness. Nicodemus is in the dark. He's coming to Jesus in the dark. Okay. Literally. But he's about to be given teaching that shines a light in his spiritual darkness. And so he is going to talk about the kingdom. And so we're going to pick that up in verse, um, I believe it's verse 3. Jesus answered him, truly, truly. So that means truth, truth. I say to you. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So so looking at it completely earthly, okay, Mm -hmm. time for his eyes to be open spiritually. And he says, um, um, Jesus answered, truly, truly. So truth, truth, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So again, he's he's speaking to the kingdom of God over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so we know that the context of this has to be about the kingdom of God. And so we've already told you that the the ultimate sphere of the kingdom of God is God's rulership over everything, okay, which was given in the garden, okay? I'm the ruler over everything. I'm asking you to rule in my name and have dominion over everything I've created, okay? And that was part of the privilege. So when you are going through this, um, you know, this teaching to Nicodemus, an example of the Old Testament is brought back in to clarify what Jesus is referring to. Okay, and when this is always used, this example is used throughout the New Testament teaching to the church. So this example of the Israelites coming out of Egypt and trying to go to the promised land, which was their inheritance. Mm-hmm. Okay, they want they God's promise 
for them to inherit a land flowing with milk and honey, we've already shown you was the goal in every dispensation, okay, to receive the promises of God again. And so he's bringing this back in context to Nicodemus about the kingdom of God and what he is offering. So we're going to pick it back up in... Um, In verse 12, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended in the heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the son of man. That actually has more into that phrase than we know. So remember, the whole theme of the Bible is bringing heaven to earth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so on earth as it is in heaven, the Lord's Prayer. It's always the goal of God to put us on earth, that we would be his people on earth, and we would represent him on earth, and he would bring the blessings of heaven to us. Okay, it really has not changed. And so we are now looking at this example and he says from there, he says, no one has ascended to heaven except he who is descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have what life, eternal sure. life. Mm -hmm. And we're going to dissect the word eternal here in a minute. Mm -hmm. So, this is a reference back in the book of Numbers, okay, chapter 21. So we're going to head back there. We're going to take a look at um, this story. And to give a little context to this story is very important. Okay, so is this referring to initial salvation for the people of God, um, the Israelites? No. When was initial salvation, Robert, in this um, story? In this story, when they were is when we were taken out of Egypt and crossed through the That's Red right. Sea, right? That's right. So initial salvation was to save God's people out of Egypt, which mm -hmm. was the land of slavery. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so this idea of rescuing them, saving them, delivering them, okay, from the kingdom of darkness. And that was the kingdom of darkness representative. That was death. Mm -hmm. That was separation from all God's blessings and promises. Okay. And 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 so in a way that was hell. Okay. So in a way that was hell. Okay. They were enslaved in Egypt. Mm -hmm. And they were still, you know, they were still God's people. They were going through a phase of discipline. And so now he's come to set them free. He's bringing Moses and they've taken, they've taken the Israelites out of Egypt. And now they're on their way to receive God's promises. And so Jesus is bringing this back as an example to Nicodemus because lo and behold, Nicodemus is bound to understand this example, right? Because he's yeah. a teacher of the law. He's a Pharisee, right? So he's that. That's the, right. The, the Mosaic law was was their was their structure. That was their 
that was their reason for being right as a Pharisee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Torah and the Pentateuch in particular, mm -hmm. the first five books of the Bible, um, very much so. And so in 21 chapter 21, four, I'm just going to pick it up from Mount, um, or they set out to the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. No, notice around the land of Edom. That's, that's Esau's property. Um, and the people became impatient on the way. And, they, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water. We loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that the people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, that everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live or have life. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if his serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So let's really look closely at the context. So the people were being sanctified through the wilderness. That's their journey, just like ours in Christ. Our journey is being sanctified so that we receive the promises. And so in this was a consequence of not being sanctified okay of death of dying dying to what okay dying to them continuing this journey to the promised land so in other words perishing in other words yeah. being cut off right so so being to, cut to, off from yeah the to develop land. the context even a little further so the you know, they're, they're, they've gone through the Red Sea. They're working their way towards the land of milk and honey. A little while back, there was no food. And so they whined and complained that there was no food. And we were better off in, you know, as slaves. And so God gave them manna every morning. That's the, that's the, the, the worthless food that they are referring to, correct? Yeah, unfortunately, the the angelic food they were complaining about. Yeah, <laughs> the food from heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So God's taking care of them. He's not. Hey, he's not giving them steaks and you know and uh, apples and grapes, right? But um, he is giving them the food that they need to survive, right? The the bread of life, which bread is what life. Jesus comes and says that he is. Yeah, he's the bread of life. And so the same parallels, exact same parallels. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you what you need mm -hmm. to make it to the fulfillment of the promise. Right. Okay. And if you're going to complain, if and you're going to piss and moan about it, yeah. And if you're going to stay in your, yeah, if you're going to stay in your sins and not please God, then you know what? You're going to be cut off. You're mm -hmm. going to perish. You're going to perish from this opportunity, okay? You're not going to rot in hell for all eternity, but you're going to perish from this opportunity of entering the promised land, mm -hmm. okay? So again, very important context. And, and so we're going to go from that to back to John 3. And 
so while we're here, do you mind covering something that that kind of I don't understand? Um, the the idea of setting up the bronze serpent <laughs> on a on the pole, and then if you look at the bronze serpent, uh, you know, is that that seems like a an idol where God is no other idols but me, right? What is the yeah? Explain while we're here, just just if you can do it in just a few minutes. Explain the the yeah. the bronze serpent on the pole to me. What that what that is symbolic of in well in this again context. generally yeah absolutely generally speaking, um, just the way that that um, Jesus had to go into the wilderness, okay, and mm-hmm. defeat Satan, defeat mm-hmm. the serpent as the last Adam. So this serpent represents okay um, self will. It represents going back to Egypt and oh, and wanting okay. to, yeah, and so that, you know, wanting to part from God's path mm-hmm. and follow your own path, okay, and receive the pleasures of Egypt. So remember back e- even in Moses's day, he, he did not um, stay in Egypt and receive the pleasures of Egypt. Instead, he chose to suffer with the people of God. And mm-hmm. so that, that's brought back in the book of Hebrews. It's the same thing here. So are you, I want you to look at the serpent here. I want you to look at his, what he represents. He represents sin. He represents self-will. He represents your own path for pleasure. And I need you to understand that I'm making my own path of salvation for you away from that. So just like Jesus is going to be lifted up now instead of the serpent. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so he's the way. My son is the way. He is the one that can bring life to you. He is the one that can bring healing to you. And and so you've been bitten by the serpent. Okay. You're you're about to die. You're about to perish. Jesus can heal you. Okay. Are you going to look to him? Are you going to follow him? And so this is the same way. Do you want to receive the promises that he can give you? So remember what we read in the book of Romans. If you suffer with him, you will also be a joint heir with him. Mm-hmm. And you will be glorified with him. Same exact thing. Hmm. Okay. okay. So, yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So great question. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. No, um, it's. It's it's one of those weird ones, right? Because nowhere else do I recall ever in the Bible where they goes, oh, well, you know, set up a symbol of anything, um, yeah. you know, and and look upon it. And it doesn't say worship it. It says just you know, it says look upon it, right? Anyone yeah, who would look at right. look at the bronze serpent and live. So so what they are is is it's, it's it's like they're looking upon it, going, all right, I get it. That was what I'm. That was the that's the old me. That's the old, that's the old Israelite. That's the slave. And when I look away from the serpent, I am, I am healed. Right. And well, when you look at the serpent, yeah, they had to actually look yeah, at the serpent, to look at which, it, right? which now, now is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we have to look at him. So mm-hmm. the same, by the way, very important, the same context, so many stories fit the same model of teaching 
Mm-hmm. So when, G- when, when Jesus invited Peter to get out of the boat and walk on water, mm. what was he supposed to do? Keep his eyes on Keep him. his eyes on Jesus. Right. And when yep. he didn't, he sank. Mm-hmm. So when he didn't, he would perish. So, so that's mm-hmm. the idea is, again, we are to keep our eyes on the prize, keep our eyes on Jesus himself. And continue racing, continue walking on water, even in the midst of the storm, okay, and the storms of life. Mm -hmm. And don't let them take you out, you know, don't let the storms of life take you out. Mm -hmm. And so here we are again with um, John chapter 3, and us now going to, after knowing this context, we're going to read chapter uh, three verse sixteen. We're gonna look at this exact verse that everybody uh, can probably quote by heart now. Yeah, Most probably. Christians, yeah, can just mm-hmm. reel this off. Right. Um, and so, Robert, read that verse to us. Probably take a drink. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Great. And Robert's going to pull up a concordance. We're going to look at eternal life real quick. So this is something that very few people know. Okay. I mean, I mean, very few. They, they don't go to their concordance. They don't look up the Greek or the Hebrew or the Aramaic, <laughs> which the Bible is written in all three of those, depending on where you are. Yeah, guys, and this is so, really easy, right? This is just the Bible Hub. It's called BibleHub.com. And um, so this is a, an amazing tool. They have an app you can download on your phone as well. And then when you get there, you can pull up the verse. And then uh, where you go, where we're at right now is the interlin. Um, and yeah, so interlinear. It, yep. And you, you navigate through by going to a chapter and within that chapter, then you can choose every, um, every, uh, 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 piece of the, of the Bible. And then it gives you then it in, you know, the words here in English. Um, and then it gives you then, uh, the Hebrew, the Greek, and then these little numbers up here, are the concordance and mm-hmm. so and 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 explain the concordance real quick keith because I, I i don't know that everybody knows what that means what the concordance is yeah there 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 are actually several uh concordances that have been written some people like um some other over others this is strong's concordance and so it allows us to look at the original language and then go to the definitions in our language as they would truly pertain literally like a specific word for word um, understanding of what that Greek word would mean. Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, putting it into a, um, um, you know, into a thought, okay, here's what, the thinking is, and 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 some uh, Bible translations are are like that. You know, you have you have several actually. The Living Bible, um, very much like a thought translation. 
This is a word-for-word -word translation. And so you get to see what the Greek word actually kind of meant and what uh, different ideas that it had. So let me, let, let's, let's uh, you know, looking at this, you have eternal life noted mm -hmm. here. So yeah, you have Zoan, yeah, Zoan yeah, for life, which is Zoe, and Anion for um, eternal. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to, you know, y'all can look this up on your own and please do because it is available to everyone. Okay. Uh, unbelievable technology that we have nowadays. But life, Zoe life is mentioned over and over again in um, the New Testament and by Jesus, by, by all the epistles. And so what it refers to is it refers to this life that we keep telling you guys about intimacy, privilege, okay, um, uh, property, location, you know, God is saying, hey, listen, I have this life for you. I came to give you a life and that abundantly. But the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. So this is a quality of life. It is also an opportunity for future life. So it's written in the present tense. It's written in the future tense. And we want to take you, though, to the word eternal, because most of us always equate eternal with forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Okay. And we want you to realize that that's not the case. We're going to switch on over to the Greek concordance. Or if Robert is going to do that right here, as you see it on the screen. And we're just going to highlight some words here that are very important for us to understand in light of our passage. So and Keith, show explain, you that. Yeah, yeah, just before we get too deep into this, explain because I didn't know what this was. I I, I think I've heard the term concordance before, but explain what the concordance is. This is BibleHub.com, um, but explain mm, what what the yeah. value is of concordance. Yeah, it's it's really immense value, and it's available, you know, for everybody, and you don't have to go to seminary in order to understand it. Um, which is the beauty of what we have today. But there are several concordances that you can select from out there. Uh, this one is the Strong's Concordance. And so in Bible translation, you get, you know, thought-for-thought thought translations, uh, especially like the, the New Living Bible or uh, Peterson's The Message and other things that you can read that are really just a summary and a thought for thought. And then you can get the real, you know, dissect word for word. Let's take a look at this word for word. And generally, you want to go to the original language for that. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the original language is what is inspired by God. Okay. It is without error. How we interpret that original language becomes key to how we uh, turn it into another language. Mm -hmm. So that that language can fully understand um, the Greek language, you know, how mm -hmm. the Greeks would have interpreted um, based on their language, how the Hebrews would have interpreted based on the Hebrew. Mm -hmm. Aramaic was probably the predominant language when Jesus walked the earth. Mm -hmm. He would have probably spoke Aramaic with his disciples, but they understood Greek 
because the Greek culture was right there and mingled right there in Jerusalem all the time. And then also the Hebrew roots of the Hebrew language have, has always been available. Mm -hmm. And so the, the um, Jewish community would have um, spoken Hebrew. So at any yeah, rate, as a, we, it's funny yeah. as an American, um, I've, you know, I've gotten the chance to through, uh, through one of my jobs to travel over to Europe and specifically into the Netherlands. We had a, a, a trade show every year that was there. And because of how close together all those countries are, they're, they're like states here, but they each speak different languages. People in the Netherlands, for example, speak german and english and dutch and they're they're switching back and forth between languages um you know in a way that as an american you, you just don't it doesn't click right because you mm. you know yeah i i i speak you know pepito a tiny amount of spanish because i took it in junior high school and i remember it and i work yeah. in construction now and so i have to try to learn some stuff from you know, to try to talk to some of the guys that, uh, you know, from Mexico and stuff uh, on my construction sites, but not the way that these folks can switch back and forth between languages, right? But when you're doing uh, that, you're yeah. sitting there with somebody who maybe isn't quite as good as English, and you see them say, um, so what is the word? What is the word? And they're trying to come up with and translate from their mind over to English what they're, maybe they're not quite as good at, right? And so... Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so the concordance is, is is basically using then the what you know what the translators of the Bible have used to get from Greek into in this case English, right? And gives yep. you the references because because Greek and both Greek and Hebrew are very context sensitive, right? And 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 that's the key in any language. I, I'll just be honest with you in. Mm -hmm. In you know, and in, in, in English, we have so many uh, slang terms. We have so many terms that can be identified in different ways. It's like when you and I went over the example of "Have you seen the trunk?" Mm -hmm. Okay, trunk. How many how many ways can we use the word trunk? Okay, if we were at the zoo, then you would know that I'm using it. Probably looking at an elephant. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if we were in the forest, I'm looking at a trunk of a tree. If we were in a parking lot, looking at the trunk of a car, if I was in my attic, looking at a trunk of clothes, so many ways that the word trunk can be identified. And so it, it wouldn't make sense if I was asking you, have you seen the trunk? And in my mind, I'm talking about a trunk of a tree. Right. But in your mind, you're thinking of a trunk of a car. Right. And so both of us are on completely two different pages. And as so, that relates to the concordance, then, if that word, what trunk was, let's say you're, I'm pointing here at the word zoan or life. Well, go to, actually, go to eternal. Go eternal. to eternal. Okay. Yeah, we're going to hit um, on the number. Yep. Um, and so right, right my question there. is, my question is, is, does each of the meanings of trunk, each of the interpretations of trunk, does it have a different number or does that trunk then does trunk actually, when I hit this number under same trunk, number, it's all the same number. Okay. Same. So number. when we go to eternal yeah. and we get now the, uh, we get 
you know, this gives us, I wish I could make this pop-up stop, but this gives us, you know, sort of where it appears, right? Eternal, yep. eternal, yep. everlasting, internal, right? It gives us various yep. versions, New American Standard, King James, um, you know, versions so of... It start, yeah. Go ahead. And it, it, it starts off in the Strong's Concordance kind of summarizing for us. Mm -hmm. So it'll give you the part of speech, the transliteration, the phonetic um, understanding of how to pronounce it. And then it just gives you some basic usages for it. And its basic usage, as you can see out of the definition, means age long. Yeah. Okay. So, so it, it literally right away means a period of time that w can be called an age. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so in context, you've got to determine what, what the length of that time is. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then as you go down to the help word studies, the cognate, you get even a little bit more um, clarification, a little bit more understanding of an age. Mm -hmm. So it says having a particular character or mm -hmm. quality okay, of an age. So it can mean properly age like or like an age. So when you look at an age, an age can be separated into two ideas. It can be separated into a length of time, okay, which we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. And it can also be separated into a quality of time. So what was that age like? So what was the age of innocence like in the garden? See? So we mm -hmm. refer to the biblical ages or dispensations, which we did in the first episode. Mm -hmm. what, was the, what was the garden age like? Well, um, you know what? It was an incredible uh, age of innocence, you know, without sin, purity, unashamed. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you got to experience an amazing quality of life. Okay, so that's the quality of that age. And, and then that it's age like, well, ended... how long? both in time, as far as the time goes, when they were cast out of the garden, but it also ended in that's a quality. That's right. right. So yeah. it ended in a quantity and it ended in a quality. And we so, often probably so, tie those two together, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case, right? There, we could be in well, the age yeah. of, the medieval age was an age of time, and we often equate that as being maybe the the height of the Roman Catholic Church, but but the Roman Catholic Church outlasted the medieval age, right? So if we if we said what's the you know what's the Roman Catholic what's the age what was the age of the Roman Catholic Church, you could define that completely different than the medieval age, right? Yeah, and 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 to define ages um, is one of our points in the quality and the quantity. And so, you know, the Greek word, um, aeonios, which is the phonetic uh, spelling of it, is a age of time and quality. And so, you know, let's, let's, let's look at throughout history, what that has been identified as, because 
this same word is used over and over and over again in different contexts, like mm -hmm. we use the word trunk. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at the age of innocence, that wasn't for all eternity. It was meant for all eternity, the way we define eternity, okay, in English. We mm -hmm. define eternity in English as lasting forever. Infinity, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Infinity. Now, mm -hmm. this particular age was supposed to last forever. It could have lasted forever, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. And so the age of the garden lasted until the fall. And then a new age began. Mm -hmm. And then the age of the patriarchs or the age of Noah lasted until, you know, that fell. Mm-hmm. And then okay. the age of Abraham lasted until that fell. And so we have not an eternal age that kept going and kept going and never ended. Mm -hmm. We have an ending to these ages. It's the same way with what the reference is in John 3.16. And we're going to show you that yeah. it means so let's go, so a length of time. So sorry for the, the concordance rabbit hole, guys, but that's uh, this is really good knowledge for, you know, and yeah. again, back to it made a big difference for me. I'm assuming by asking this question of Keith that it'll make a difference for you. And uh, and I hope that's the case. So um, so back to John 316 and putting us yeah. back on track here. So. Um, so. Yeah. So looking at this, looking at these words again, we're going to look at one more word. Mm hmm. But I do just want to note, again, the broader context, okay? Mm -hmm. So the broader context of life and death and being able to glean not only the quality of the age, but the quantity of the age. Um, eternal life is, is referred to as a quality of age. In fact, in John 17, Jesus refers to it as knowing God and knowing him okay so that's a quality that's mm -hmm. a quality of knowledge that we get to grow in the knowledge of god so that helps to define um the the quality of life which is really to know god and that's mm -hmm. what adam and eve got to do in the garden they mm -hmm. got to know him very intimately and so as we go back to john three sixteen, jesus is telling the story about the Israelites, and, and see, they got an opportunity to know God. They got mm -hmm. an opportunity to be rescued by God out mm -hmm. of Egypt, to know who he was and his provision and what pleases him mm -hmm. and how to keep receiving his blessing, okay? And so the quality of life that they were uh, being given and they were being given an opportunity to, be, to have that quality of life as they were following Moses, be given manna from heaven, be given shelter from the sun, and and be given heat during the night. And so they were be, being given God's instructions, and they were they were ultimately going to be given a, a amazing land where they were going to be provided for lavishly. And so this was a future event. This was a future time frame. Mm -hmm. that they were looking forward to. It's the same with, with uh, Jesus. He's saying, I am going to give you a quality of life right now, okay, that I'm promising you, okay, if you abide in me and remain in me, okay, but I'm also promising you a future quality 
and period of life, an age, if you will. And so what does the Bible say about that age? Well, when Gabriel came to Mary, he says, uh, hey, Mary, guess what? You're going to have a baby and he's going to sit on the throne of David. Okay, so right away, this is a prophecy to Mary that there's going to be a king who is coming through you. Okay, and so this, again, is talking about this kingdom. And Jesus is going to be the king of this kingdom. And you're going to be blessed because you get to um, be the mother of this king. And so now this story opens up into what this story is really all about. It's about, you know, ruling and reigning with Christ in his kingdom for this period of time that's being promised. And so we know if we read the rest of the Bible, there is a promised thousand year reign of Jesus Christ when he returns back to the earth. That's mm -hmm. a no brainer throughout all the prophets throughout the New Testament teaching, throughout Jesus explaining his kingdom, and now um, about, you know, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. And now he does say that he's going to take us to be with him where he is. And then he's going to bring everything back at Armageddon and prepare this kingdom on earth. And so there is a period of time where we are not on earth, okay? But it's very brief, and it is not the focus. The focus is actually this age-long life, okay, that Jesus is going to set up on earth called the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. And so this is what he's referring to. Don't be cut off from this. Don't perish from this like the Israelites did going through the wilderness, trying to get to this period of time and this place in the promised land. Okay. And so, again, this is the myth bust of John 3.16. And we're going to look at one more word in this um, verse. The other word is perish. Okay, and so when we look at the word perish, we're going to hit on that, and we're going to see that it can mean, okay, to destroy, to kill, to loose. It can mean to be utterly cut off. So look at uh, the HELPS word study, and you're going to see that um, properly, fully destroy, cutting off entirely. So we're going to, um, as we referred to the Israelites already, they were, some of them were fully cut off. They were fully destroyed, okay? They fully perished in the wilderness. Okay. And they never got to see the blessing of the promised land. Same thing in our race in Christ and this is what's being referred to. And, and just to show you the context of John, since we're in John chapter 3, we're going to shoot on over to John 15. And we, we want to briefly just show you again that John is, is speaking to his disciples, 
he's speaking and his disciples even ask him, hey, are you only talking to us? Hmm. Okay. You mean Jesus, or, not John, but Jesus is talking yeah. to his disciples. Yeah, Jesus yeah. is, yeah, yeah it, it, they're talking to Jesus. Is mm -hmm. Are you only talking to us or is this for everyone? And Jesus then clarifies, oh, this is for everyone, those who would believe in my message through you. Okay, this is this mm -hmm. is to all people. And so in this understanding of John chapter 15, John is saying, hey, listen, you need to remain in the vine. Mm -hmm. You need to, to remain in Christ. And if you if you don't, you're not going to bear the fruit that he wants you to bear. And so, again, picture yourself in the wilderness, bearing fruit as children of God, praising him, right? Okay, being able to be given his provisions, living together in unity and communion, and, and not being divided, okay? And, and you are receiving that as a form of blessing from God. And here is another example of, hey, you want to remain in him? You don't want to be cut off. So in chapter two, I mean, in verse two, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear, bear fruit, he prunes. So that's the sanctification. He, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Go jump to verse six. If anyone does not remain in me or abide in me, he is thrown away. Okay. And of course, if we went to that in the concordance, it means to be cut off or cast outside. Okay. And so we, we have a very important understanding of being outside, you know, even in Jesus's parables to the, to the, you know, wise and I mean, to the um, faithful and good servant. You know, oh, you know what? You were faithful. Uh, the owner comes back. Remember, the owner has to come back. The owner comes back and you were faithful. And so I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you more privileges. Okay. Um, well done, good and faithful servant. But to the one that wasn't, oh, guess what? You're thrown outside where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, you're going to be really upset that you don't get to be part of this kingdom inside, okay? And, and so you didn't get to inherit another huge understanding of, of all these passages. And so when it's saying in John 3.16 um, to, again, in context about the kingdom of God and Moses going through the wilderness and lifting up the serpent, we're having the same idea of what it means to receive the inheritance or be cut off from this inheritance. And so um, that is the ultimate myth bust. This is not a opportunity to escape eternity in hell, burning forever and ever and ever and ever. Yeah. Okay. So if we, yeah, if we, if we really sum this up, it's this is, and again, I think the, the the big the big qualification that helps me keep that straight in my mind, right? Because you know we've been so trained that you know God sent His Son. If you just believe Him in Him, you're done, right? This is 
to me, this is the this, this is the phrase that 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 spur that uh, puts the you know get out of hell free card concept. Mm, right. Right. Yep. This is my this is my yep. get out of hell card. Um, I just if I believe in him, I'm I'm going to have eternal life, right? And yep. Yep. but believing in but we what what we forget or what I've learned is that you know, is that this is not speaking to the unbelievers. These are the people who already believe, right? So mm -hmm. whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life is believing in him is not just saying, well, I believe in him, right? It's an action. It's a, it's an ongoing and we're going to, we got, we've got a, a, you know, a feeling station or a, a, a canteen on, the three tenses of salvation uh, that we'll be putting. Hey, out. Robert. Yeah. Robert, will you do us a favor and go back to the concordance of John three sixteen? Yeah. Robert brings up a point that I just wanted to, uh, to show you really quickly um, this idea. So once you've been um, saved out of Egypt and you've, you've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ and adopted into his family, sealed with the, Holy Spirit, um, you have passed from death to life, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God, and now you are racing for inheritance. And so we will talk about that in light of salvation passages. But looking at the word believe, look, mm -hmm. look, you can even see then, look, look it's not believe. It's, it's believing. believing. Everyone believing. So it's, it's active. Yeah. Tense, so right. That's right. Look at underneath the word believing. You have mm -hmm. a V slash PPA. That means verb, present tense, participle, active. It means a continuous, ongoing belief. And that's why the Bible always talks about endurance, perseverance, striving, um, helping one another run this race. You have to continue because if you don't continue in this race, you drop out. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and it will disqualify you. And that's Paul's point in the race. You will be disqualified. And so this is the greatest myth bust that you could actually receive. Mm -hmm. And so when we, we actually have a myth bust within this myth, myth bust <laughs> that we will eventually get to. <laughs> and, and so in John chapter three, when he's talking to Nicodemus and he says, everyone who is born again, which means born from above, they will see the kingdom of God. But everyone who is born of water and the spirit, they get to enter the kingdom of God. So he actually has two completely different ideas. Mm -hmm. He brings in uh, born of water, which I will tell you, I, I, I truly have not heard a good teaching on that in my understanding in my uh, opinion and so uh born of water is what we're going to myth bust it it really has very limited um uh understanding about somebody splashing water on you as we understand baptism you know being dunked either fully or having water sprinkled on your skin you know, the New Testament came to go beneath the skin. 
the whole New Testament came to get out of the Old Testament, which was just circumcision of your flesh. And it came to circumcise the heart. So we will myth bust what it truly means to be born of water um, at another episode. But I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed yeah. this understanding. And just just so so we, we've got it just, I guess, maybe for me and for everybody else, because this is this is really just sort of a, it's a hard thing to wrap your head around because we've been so trained on on something else. Right. So just mm. just summarize. You know, can you put into, you know, five sentences what 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 John 316 really means? Yeah. Summarize so, our last 45 minutes here. John 316 and its context is reminding us what Jesus has come and done for us and is doing and promises to do. And so we actually have um, Jesus being the, the, the last dispensation of promise where he's, he has accomplished what no one else could accomplish. And he is saying, hey, guys, um, I, for, I so love this whole world and everything that I've created okay, that I have um, made a way through my blood. I died for the sins of the whole world. And now I am giving you an opportunity to race and follow me, follow my teaching of the kingdom, my rulership. I, I am now the ruler. You don't have to follow the ruler of darkness anymore. I have a way now that you can please God and receive my kingdom in full and be restored back to intimacy, privileges and land and this is finally going to happen and it's going to happen through me okay and so continue racing in me and you will receive okay what what i have promised you you can receive in me but don't be cut off okay don't be cut off from receiving these promises and so that in short is the message of this kingdom salvation. Awesome. All right. We're going to wrap up this part two of this multi-part series on life and death. Um, tease what we're transitioning to into part three for the folks, Keith. Yeah. So part, part three, um, I think we're going to uh, look at the roadmap Um Look at the uh, the racetrack for that, and mm -hmm. we will we will go into the Great Commission. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That'll be a canteen, one last canteen before we get to the next fueling station. Fueling station. Okay, so folks, we're looking forward to seeing you on the on part three of this, the Great Commission, and uh, we'll we'll go into that uh, pretty deep again, and and this will, you know. Uh, this this episode may take folks uh, have to watch this episode a couple of times uh, and uh, to to kind of get through. I can I can tell you guys just from my own personal journey on this. Um, you know, Keith, it really struggled to get me through this. Um, I had had such a and and I didn't have the church background that I'm sure many of you do. Um, 
and uh, to break my thought process on this um, was it took him a while. So if if this doesn't sit right with you, don't be surprised. Um, you know, we've been indoctrinated into a certain way of thinking and by both sin of omission and sin of commission uh, by our, our, our teachers. And so, you know, rewatch it, certainly reach out to us if you, if you'd like some clarification, if you want anything. And, and I think we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll revisit some of this in, in the, uh, the great commission as well. So we look forward to you to seeing you then. And uh, let me pull up uh, full screen. Here we go. So with that, we ask, of course, that you, um, uh, if you like these episodes, you know, give us a great rating uh, so that other people can find them. Please pass them along by sharing an email to the, uh, within, to the link or sending a text to some friends with links. Um, we're not uh, doing this for for any other bounty other than to uh, bring back the end of the age, bring about the end of the age when, when everyone understands what God's kingdom is about, you know, God says he'll return. And uh, I personally am looking forward to that day. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and to do what Paul and to do what Paul said in, uh, in first Corinthians chapter nine to win people into the race. Yeah. And so, and that's, and that's our goal is to help you um, race well. Yep. All right. Say goodbye, Keith. Hey, goodbye guys. All right. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you.